There is often, when we announce this passage, there's something in us that just says, I know it. Not like we should. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, for this initial time, we will start several verses earlier. But you remember that Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. Let's go, verse 11. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever lasting life. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that now you would help us with focus, with an intense desire to look and understand and ascertain maybe things that we have forgotten or we knew long ago or just Lord, opening your word up to us as you've done so many times to the point that there's a freshness, there is a conviction, there's a rejoicing. But Lord, we need to hear from you. This cannot be done by flesh and blood. Lord, we need you. We need the Holy Spirit of God to open to us. Lord, please, do thy work, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. E.M. Bounds said this, Pray for all men. We usually pray more for all things than we do for all men. I don't know, this last week, and as I was sharing with the uh, the church this last Wednesday night as I was watching video, and, and I was doing it yesterday as well, watching video of people being uh, in Turkey, as a matter of fact, being rescued. I mean, it's been, it's, it's been stunning. They have, they have pulled people out of those buildings that were buried for over a hundred hours. There was one woman that they were digging for just yesterday. There was one woman that they were digging for, and the voice was becoming 
fainter and fainter. And then they realized it's not the mother's voice, it's the nine-year-old boy. And they went after him, and they finally got him out, and the father was there, but the sad thing was the mother had died in the earthquake, and the son was there. But these people were absolutely rabid. They were going so hard at getting people out of those buildings. And as I sat there and watched video after video after video of these people and just doing everything they can and crying out for workers to come and help their relatives, this one man I remember uh, that I told the church about on Wednesday night, that he was that he was he felt so helpless. Here he's a, he's a big strong guy, but they do their buildings with concrete, and he could hear his parents crying out to him, and he couldn't get to them. Think about that. And here comes Christ, telling us, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Satan throws everything he can at us. Disappointment, discouragement, anger, fear, lust, you name it. But through it all, by God's grace, could we grasp this? For God so loved the world. I was so angry this last week. I don't know how many of you heard, but last Sunday night, there was a show on, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was people congratulating themselves. I don't know, Emmys, Grammys, whatever it was. But there was a guy that thought he had talent, dressed up like the wicked one, and he's singing a song entitled, unholy. That was bad enough. But just before he sings it, the powers that be at CBS put on their Twitter page these words, we are ready to worship. That's exactly what this wicked world has been doing. Now they eventually yanked that off. But how? I mean, that was just and, and so, I mean, I got fired up. I was ready to get up here and like my son would say, I was going to rip face. You know, here's my three-point outline from the message. The work of the wicked one, the ways of the world, and the weariness of the battle. Boy, it just gets to the believer. And then the Lord says, no, you're not. No, you're not. Remember that verse you've been talking about from the beginning of the year? Oh, God, thou art my God. Well, your God has something else that he wants you to press. For God so loved the world. That's what you're going to preach on. G. Campbell Morgan, when it comes to John 3.16, said this, This is a text I never attempted to preach on, though I have gone around it and around it. It's too big. When I've read it, there is nothing else to say. And that's true. For God so loved 
the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If we only knew how to read it, so as to produce a sense of it in the ears of the people, there would be nothing to preach about. I think G. Campbell Morgan kind of nailed it. A man by the name of Peter McKenzie, who was a Methodist preacher of about a 100 years ago, living in England, he preached from John 3.16. Gypsy Smith tells that the preacher, after announcing the text, said this, There are two striking things in my text. When God loves, he loves the world. When he gives, he gives his son. Isn't it amazing what the world elevates? And yet there was something that happened 155 years ago this last week I want to tell you about. It happened in a church in Chicago. That church was pastored by Dwight L. Moody. Several months before, Moody had been in England. In fact, he, he traveled to Dublin and he preached there. And while he was there, there was a young man that came to him by the name of Henry Morehouse. He said Morehouse looked like he was about 17 years old, but he wasn't that young. But this young man got up and he came to me and he says, hey, listen, uh, the Lord saved me. He used to be a pickpocket. He spent time in jail. The Lord saved him. He grew. And he says, you know, I'd like to preach at your church. And so, you know, Moody just kind of said something, you know, well, you know, let me know when you get there, et cetera, et cetera. In February of 1888, early February, he shows up. Well, he says, I'd like to speak at your church. Well, Moody was getting ready to travel to St. Louis. He was going to be there in ministry for a couple of days. So he said, well, okay, i tell you what. You can preach. There's a Bible study. Uh, there, there, you, you can come and preach. It's in the basement. Uh, and he told his men, he says, listen, this young man has come. If he messes things up, I'll fix things after he's done. But, uh, you know, just let him go ahead and preach. Moody got back on Saturday. And he asked his wife, well, how, how's, how's Morehouse? How was the preaching? She said it was great. He's a better preacher than you are. Really? Yeah, yeah, he, he preaches that God loves sinners. Well, Moody had been preaching that no, God doesn't love sinners. God hates sinners. God is angry with the wicked every day, and he is. So anyway, she told him that. And he says, no, he's wrong. She says, I think you need to hear him preach. And you'll see what I mean, because he backs everything that he says with Scripture. 
So he's going to preach on Sunday morning. They get there, and Moody looks around, and he's amazed because everybody in his church is carrying a Bible. He never taught that. He never stressed that. He said it was fantastic to hear the rustle of the leaves of the Bibles as they went from Scripture to Scripture. This young man got up, and he started to read John 3.16. They said he was kind of awkward when he got in the pulpit. He would shift back and forth, you know, his weight like this. But nobody paid attention because they were wrapped on what he was saying. And he began to preach, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Moody listened, and by his own account, he said, well, first of all, as the young man began to preach, he took people from Genesis to Revelation, and he realized, boy, there goes one sermon of mine, there goes another, there goes a third. The guy kept ripping up his sermons. And the tears started to flow. Fleming Ravel, who was a publisher, in fact, Moody had married Fleming Ravel's sister. The, the Ravel company is still in, they're still in business today. They're still publishing uh, material. But he was watching. He's, he's looking, he's looking at Morehouse in the, in, in the pulpit, but he's watching Moody and he's seeing the change on Moody's face. And the man keeps, keeps preaching, and, and, and he's watching there. There was a man by the name of, uh, oh, let's see. I don't have his name right here. I'm going to go ahead and skip along. But at the end of the message that morning, Moody jumped up, and he said, folks, Morehouse Henry Morehouse is going to be preaching every night this week. You come. You tell your friends to come. And he did. And every night he got up to preach, he announced his text. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't do a thing of where he would go from you know, point A to point B, one, two, three, like that. He would start out at Genesis. And every night he would start at Genesis, but he would take a different route. But it was always showing this, that from Genesis to Revelation, it is true, God so loved the world. It was fresh. It was amazing. This was the testimony from Moody that he wrote on the last night. He said, in closing that seventh sermon, he said, Henry Morehouse said, for seven nights I have been trying to tell you how much God loves you. But this poor stammering tongue of mine will not let me. If I could ascend Jacob's ladder, 
and ask Gabriel, who stands in the presence of the Almighty, to tell how much love God the Father has for this poor lost world. All that Gabriel could say would be, Henry Morehouse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Moody went on to say, I have never forgotten those nights. I have preached a different gospel since, and I have had more power with God and man since then. Morehouse became known as the man who affected the man who affected the world. You see, Morehouse didn't live that long. I think he was in his 40s when he died. And he wasn't somebody that was really all that well-known. But Moody was. Do you know that Moody, by the end of his life, and he was 62 when he died, had preached to over 100 million people. Between America and Europe, He traveled back and forth, back and forth. And early on, the Lord had this man come to Moody's church. And that man moved Moody. And Moody moved the world. And it was by this message. Folks, let's listen to this. Truly, what else is there left to say? God so loved the world. Has this world ever made you mad? Has this world or somebody in it ever discouraged you? Has this world angered you? Some people, they've gotten bitter by this world. This world can do a thousand and one things to hurt, intimidate, anger, frustrate people who have really trusted Christ as Savior. But what needs to happen is we need to turn from what's going on in here and we need to turn to the Lord because he's still looking down and his word still says, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the wicked one who said, I will be like the Most High, knows he lost at the cross. So he's going to do everything he can to keep me and to keep you from telling that kind of message. And the world has had an effect on the church. The church has changed its message. It's changed its style. A lot of churches have. 
And Satan is pleased because now the big focus is not this. God so loved the world. I realized, as I was telling you last weekend, of the notes that I have, and I, and I, and I start out with Acts 6, 4, and I still do, but we will give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. But you know what the Word is? For God so loved the world. Now listen to me. How many of you are glad that God loved you? Again, you look at those people that are going after relatives and they're weeping and they're crying. They can't, they, they can't bury these people fast enough. We have cities in our nation right now. The morgues are filling up because there are people going after fentanyl and other things to try and fill the void that's left by sin. And families are hurting, and people are dying. But still, God so loved the world. I tell you what, I can identify with these preachers that say, I, I, you know, how do you handle it? And seriously, folks, the depth, the breadth, the length, the height, all of it, Paul talks about that in Ephesians. Knowing Christ, that, that, that love of Christ that passes knowledge. Right now, we are waiting in a place that it's like, I can't touch bottom and neither can you. But it's still true because God so loves us. And we wind up getting focused on, th- we get focused on each other or we get focused on the world. Someplace, somewhere, Satan loves to do it. And we're not listening. When it comes to the point that this is what people need. And God has reminded me, I'm thankful that you have looked to me in Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, thou art my God. But there are other people I want them to realize. I'm their God too. So here I am. I'm going to do what I usually do. I thought about, well, I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll take this and I'll go from Genesis to Revelation. And I found out I can't. Not right now. Oh, my soul. I'd love to get that guy's notes. But every year, When we read from Genesis to Revelation, if you read your Bible, guess what you've seen? You've seen that God so loved the world. You stop and and think about it. Genesis 3, God's love is there as he promises a future seed. And Abraham and on and on and on, and Moses and the children of Israel, and how God took care of them, because one day the promised seed would come, because God so loved the world. And he took Jesus' parents and led them out of Israel, because a maniac, 
by the name of Herod was going to slaughter babies. You know, something that America enjoys doing right now. But God so loved the world, he took care. And now, even today, as the world, or America, I should say, they get angry with churches that have biblical standards and convictions. God knows, and he will carry on, because he still loves the world. Is the world under judgment? Yes. This nation is under judgment. But God is still looking for those that he paid such an incredible price for. You want to know how how wretched hell is? Look at what Christ went through. He was willing to suffer like that to keep people from a place like that. You think about heaven. Oh, my soul. I just want to take you very quickly through John 3.16. If we want to get a little bit of a grasp of what this verse tells us, here's some things that you need to think about. First of all, you need to think about this. Think of the source. For God so loved the world. Think of the source. You see the word love. I am not a Greek scholar, but I know where the brains are. There's two uh, Greek words that they talk about a lot when it comes to love. The Greeks had a word for it, people will say. Phileo is a love which consists of the glow of the heart kindled by the perception of that and the object which affords us pleasure. This is Weist. This is Weist speak. He's, he's talking and saying, this is where this, this, ver, this word is. The Greeks made much of friendship, and they would use this. Phileo, that's where we get Philadelphia. But that's not where, that's not the word that was used here. It's the Greek word agapio. Agapio speaks of a love which is awakened. Listen to this by a sense of value in the love object. In other words, God so loved the world. Not because it was pretty, but because God so loved the world. He created the world. He did this, and then he let the waters, let the earth, let the earth, etc., etc. And then he said, let us make man in our own image. And it was for that that God so loved the world. And by the way, let's remind ourselves of this. God loves real people. Sinners. If you have ever sinned, say amen. Okay, we're going to have a confession time. Going to bring it. No, I'm praise God. My sin and your sin are under the blood if we've trusted Christ. Praise God for that. But the point is this. He loves real people. John was with him, learned of him, praise God, served him. Listen to the eloquence of this passage. 1 John 1. That which was from the beginning 
which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which our hands, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested. We've seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. That's why we read, for God so loved the world. They saw it, and they listened, and the Holy Spirit reminded them as he said he would, and so he they wrote this, and it got down on parchment, and we have it before us. In fact, two chapters later, the same writer wrote in 1 John 3, Behold, what manner of love, literally, what foreign kind of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Think of it. Think of the source, but then think of the sacrifice that he gave his only begotten Son. Not grudgingly, but willingly. And I can't fathom that, and you can't either, because we're limited but he did. Why? Because God so loved the world. Think of the simplicity that whosoever believeth in him, there is not a work to be done. I was witnessing to somebody the other day, (coughs) excuse me, and trying to get them to focus on this and recognize and realize you can't do anything to get to heaven. Christ did it all. If we could work our way to heaven, Christ need not have died on the cross. We've got the rules and regulations. We can, As we're going to be looking at tonight in Colossians chapter 2, there were people that were trying to take people who had trust in Christ and say, tell them, no, 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 no. You've got to get back to the law. You've got to get back to tradition. You've got to get back to circumcision, this and that and on and on and on. No. Christ wiped all that out. We trust him. That's it. It's not do, it's done. Pure and simple. Think of so great salvation. We can meditate on it just like that verse in Psalm 63. We can sit back on John 3.16, and you can spend hours, and I've already started, and I'm so glad. Can I encourage you to do the same? Because while they're screaming out there about this politician and that movement, and oh, my soul, what's going to be taking place, and about people that want to step forward and take control of your life, We recognize this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting. You want something that's going to keep you awake at night and make your eyeballs go tilt? Think about those two words, everlasting, life. But that's what the Lord gave us. 
should not perish. We need not fear. Death, hell, we need not fear. But have everlasting life. Take your Bibles. Do one more thing. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. You know, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if this is like physical exercise or, 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 or whatever. I congratulated myself yesterday. Brother Blumquist, I rode six miles on my bike. Six miles. I mean, it's hard going ground level. You know, you're not going up down hills. I went six miles. I averaged 10 miles an hour. The fastest I went was 15. And you know something? I got home, and I'm dead. You know why? It's been a long time since I went six miles. And I realized I got some work to do. You ever catch this? You look at a verse, and you recognize something. It's it's not doing to me what it used to. You need some exercise, spiritual exercise. You need the Holy Spirit there helping you. Look at this, John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I do that, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto my house, that where I am, there ye may be also. Stop and think about that. We don't have to make that happen. You can't hurt. Jesus does it. Jesus does it. I will receive you unto myself. Sorry, I said house before. But he said he's taking you to his house. But he said this, that where I am, there ye may be also. You know why? Because God so loved the world. And you're in it. Do you stop? Do you realize Jesus Christ died just as much for you as he did anybody else? Sometimes we get this idea, and I'm almost done. <coughs> Excuse me. We get this idea that, you know, not even God can, can focus on everybody at once. Are you kidding me? He's keeping the universe going. I, I, I don't mean to sound, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to sound, I don't know what the word would be, but God has yet, and all of eternity to break into a sweat. 
he can do it. That means that he knows exactly where your heart is right now. He knows where mine is. Now, again, if you have trusted Christ as Savior, say amen. If that is true, if that's true, let's think again about what Christ said to Nicodemus. Specifically, verse 16, let's not let it get cheapened with fleshly speculation or with familiarity. Let's not let it get cheapened. Let's not let Satan go after us again and again and again and again to take away the importance out of our minds. And may we never forget that there's coming a time where there's going to be no more opportunity to tell others. We will rejoice around him at the throne, but right now, it's the message of our church, of each of us. I failed even yesterday. I had two specific opportunities, and I didn't take them, and it bothered me. It's still done. Why? Well, because there's one other verse that I've added to those verses when it comes to my purpose. Revelation 20.15 Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this is when we focus. I just ordered there's a track that we had before. It was great. And I've ordered 450 of them. Probably going to be ordering more. It is an, it's, it's all about John 3.16. I hope and pray we get them all out. We're, I'm going to be getting them this week. They'll be here next Sunday for us to be able to pass out. But aren't you glad God so loved the world?